In today's episode, we're going to be looking at the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns as they gather in Orlando to restart the NBA season. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. As I said, we're going to be talking about the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns, looking at how those teams shape up for the Orlando restart. And we're going to kick things off with the Boston Celtics. To talk about the Boston Celtics, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, John Corrales, is here with me. John, welcome back to the show. And Boston, uh, currently the, the three seed in the Eastern Conference they are a team that, you know, everyone thinks that there's a chance that they can push a little bit further than that three seed, I guess, when the, once the playoffs kick off and maybe get into the conference finals. But let's start off with the big question mark, and that is Kemba Walker and his knee. He's just turned 30, and he's not fully participating in practices, or is he? What's the story with Kemba and his knee? So as of right now, the Celtics have him on what Brad Stevens calls is an every-other-day plan. And that is going to be a plan that slowly ramps him up to getting ready for the, the, the season, the regular season, the seeding games. They expect him to play in those games. They expect him to be available. And Brad Stevens, uh, in his latest media availability, said that it wasn't bad. Uh, the, he, Kemba feels no pain, but the discomfort that he felt early on when they were doing their mandatory workouts that was something that put this plan into motion so their their focus seems to be making sure that they ramp him up at the proper pace for him not necessarily at the proper pace for the rest of the team that the rest of the team may be on one path and Kemba might be on a different path but they will converge when the seeding games begin and Kemba will play likely with the minutes restriction in the seeding games and then it is their hope that that restriction can be lifted when the playoffs start. So I would think that the minutes restriction is it was almost a guarantee. Probably I would guess you know, low, you know, thirty to, to twenty-eight to thirty minutes would, would be my guess. And the Celtics also have a back-to-back, and there is zero chance that Kemba Walker plays both games of those. I would say, correct me if I'm wrong with that. Uh, I would say you are correct with that. Yeah. So the, yeah, that, that's. Go ahead, John. The the what's what's that back to back game too? I think that's the Brooklyn Nets game, isn't it? I think it. Let me just uh, let me look that up. But I think it might be because uh, I remember it looking, is. looking. Yeah, okay, there you go. It is. Yeah, it's net. It's it's Celtics Nets. So they they may not play anybody. I, I might go down to the bubble for that game. You uh you, you might get a get a few few uh, few shots. I'll grab a few get bullets. A, I give them a solid twelve minutes. You are uh, you are uh, you're you're a tall man, John. So you can get out, get out there, grab some grab some boards, just do a bit of damage down in the down in the post. And you might actually, against the Nets, you might, you might actually uh, have some pretty decent success. Now, let's talk about these other guys uh, on this team. Gordon Haywood has you know, had some you know, quotes, I guess, about having a bit of a sore foot. Um, of course, he had that yeah. broken ankle two years ago. He played at, at a much higher level this year than last year, got those 33 minutes. But are we going to be seeing him 
on the Kemba Walker. Not like he doesn't have the same you know, problem that Kemba's got at the moment. We're going to be seeing him more of eased in rather than say the younger Tatum's and Browns and Smarts. No, I think Gordon is is just going to play. The, the difference between Gordon's soreness in his foot and Kemba's soreness in his knee is that Kemba's Kemba's soreness in his knee. While they say his, his knee is structurally fine and sound, it's something that's within the knee that I'm not 100 percent sure. But there's something in there that's causing the soreness. Gordon Hayward's soreness is nerves. It's it's a nerve damage thing. It is, he believes, a result of that injury. It's something that's just going to flare up from time to time. And they're going to have to give him cortisone shots from time to time to kind of dull that pain. But it's not like there's a tendon or a Kevin Durant situation where it's like, Achilles tendonitis or a sore calf, but it's really a tear in there and it's, it's just waiting to cause a catastrophic injury. It's just something that causes pain and that pain is not indicative of an injury. So if he can play through whatever pain he's experiencing, he will do that. And if he needs to get a shot, he'll get a shot, but that's not going to limit his minutes. Let's talk about Jason Tatum because when things shut down, he was on fire. His last uh, two months in, you know, last sorry, last nine games in the NBA, he was the seventh ranked player in fantasy. People were really getting on board. I had people telling me outrageous things like Jason Tatum is a top five player in the NBA now, like which is it, look maybe he gets there. He's not there at this point, but let's look at what he did. He averaged thirty points in those last nine games. He shot. Uh, 47% from the field, 47% from three. He grabbed eight boards. He had a usage of 31%. But now what, what people are going to want to know, because if people are doing these redraft fantasy leagues or, or looking to him in DFS, they're going to look at these numbers and go, well, he's turned the corner. This is it. He's the superstar now. What should we be careful of in terms of extrapolating those numbers out? Because 37 minutes a night, not happening. 31 usage, I have my doubts. 47% from three. Uh, I have concerns. So where where should we be looking for Jaden for Jason Tatum? What, what should we be looking at? <laughs> what should we be looking at with him here? Is this is this him or is this like uh, let's calm down because it's probably going to dial back a bit? Um, boy, that that's really what we're going to find out. Uh, I think it's hard for me to expect him to do what he did the last two months. I mean, you, he's not a top five player in the league, but he was playing like a top five player in the league. For a couple of months, I don't know that that's going to be something he recaptures. It, I think I'd be doing people a disservice to say yes, he will. Yes, he can. And when you think about the uh, Kemba minutes restriction, that will allow Jason Tatum to to take a little bit more uh, of the to use a little bit more of the the possessions that are there. And and Kemba being out for a, a bunch of those games also helped pump up his usage rate as well back in March. So there, there's going to be some level of he'll, touches that he'll be able to get with Kemba not playing in a back-to-back and Kemba being limited. So he'll have an opportunity to get close. Is he going to average 30 points a game? I would say no, but I can, I can see him averaging a few points less. I can still see him getting to 25. I still think he has that confidence. I, th- I think he sees himself as a guy who belongs and, and really, once he got that call to the All-Star game, that's what set him off. That, that feeling of like, okay, I did it, I made it, I belong. That took a lot of pressure. He put pressure on himself. I don't think he's, he feels that pressure anymore. So while I don't believe he's going to get to that level necessarily, 
I think he can still get fairly close. Yeah, I've got him uh, projected at about 24, 25 points in, in this restart. And that's going to go up in the, the, the games where Kemba doesn't play or the Kemba is limited as well. Because we remember some of those performances that he was putting up where that usage was up at 31%, yeah, Walker was out and he was taking on a larger role. And I still expect him to be the number one player on offense, the, the number one focal point. But that doesn't necessarily mean 31% usage. It's probably 28, 29, 27 around that mark, which drops a couple of points off off the overall scoring uh, there. Um what do we make of uh, Robert Williams? He's an interesting one. People in fantasy love him because he comes out, puts up huge blocks per minute. He's healthy now after having some back and hip problems over the first couple of years. But is there going to be any change to this center rotation on the whole where Tice starts, Cantor gets those 18 backup minutes, and Williams maybe plays 10 or so? Will he be in the rotation? Will he ramp up a larger role? Can he take Cantor's spot? Like, where are we at with Robert Williams? Well, I think what you'll see with Robert Williams is he'll play in games where Cantor was unplayable. There, there are certain matchups where Cantor really shouldn't have been on the floor, but because Robert Williams was out, they had no real other choice. So maybe when they face the Grizzlies and, and their more athletic team, you'll see more Robert Williams. Uh, but when you see the Celtics face maybe the Toronto Raptors, uh, you wonder if he's going to go up against the Marc Gasol or, um, or, you know, or if they're going to go with Robert Williams to defend the pick and roll because you put Cantor in the pick and roll and attack him with Kyle Lowry and he doesn't do well. So what's the matchup going to be? Is he going to go up against the bigger guy or are they going to put Robert Williams into to be a little bit more athletic and maybe block some shots? So he'll get some opportunities for sure. Um, and he'll probably play that one either the Nets or the Wizards game when the Celtics give Daniel Tice maybe half a game off or something like that just to make sure that he has rest. Uh, I don't think they feel they need to really go crazy for the second seed. So they're going to manage minutes uh, accordingly. So I think I think he'll uh, get some opportunity. I don't know how many minutes uh, there will be. There may be some DNPs in there. There might be some games where he plays 25 minutes, even in the restart, even when we're only playing uh, eight seeding games. Last one I want to touch on with you here is Marcus Smart was uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. Is there any update on if he was ever feeling any symptoms, if he's had any lingering effects? We've seen players or, or people, you know, Spencer Dinner was having uh, some issues with symptoms and lingering effects with some other people in terms of respiratory function. Has there been any word on if there's been any impact on that for Marcus? I actually asked him that question today, and he said that he's feeling no ill effects, no side effects. Uh, says his breathing is fine, his heart is fine. Uh, he's back to being himself, uh, if not even uh, – the quote is, if not even getting back to being where I was before the season stopped. So for me personally, nothing's wrong. Everything is as normal as it's going to get. So he says he's fine. Awesome. That is, uh, that's great to hear for Marcus and for Boston fans in general and people looking for him. He'll have some, some bigger games as well when Kemba does sit out. There are some you know, really interesting fantasy guys here. Of course, I think Tatum probably can be a top 12 guy in the restart. Um, and then everyone else is sort of around that 50 mark, Jalen and Kemba and Haywood and then Marcus Smart in that you know, 45 to 65 range if you are looking at, at rankings and redrafting these players. John, you'll have all the Celtics news covered for us over on Locked on Celtics uh, leading up to the restart, through the restart and through the playoffs as usual. And thanks for coming on Locked on Fantasy with me. My pleasure. Anytime.
Now we're going to flip it over to the Western Conference and we're going to talk Phoenix Suns. And to do that, I'm joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Suns podcast, Evan Sidery, is here with me. Evan, Phoenix, um, you're right down the bottom of the Western Conference battle here for a playoff spot, but they're just happy to be involved in the, in this mix, in this restart. So you know, what, what, what are they looking for here? Because getting to the playoffs is pretty tough, given how far back they are from it, not, not only the eight seed, but even from the playoff or the play-in game type scenario. So what's Phoenix looking for? Do they think they can get to that play-in game area, or are they just looking to get extra experience with their team? What's the idea here with the Suns? Yeah, the idea for this team, as far as the Orlando bubble goes, they want to make that improbable run, Josh, but it's going to have to take an 8-0 start for this team to even have a chance of sniffing that play-in tournament. So very long odds there, less than 1% of that happening. But in the meantime, if that doesn't happen, which seems very unlikely, they're going to try to play spoiler here. They're going to try to develop these young players like Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome. Also, Devin Booker's going to be playing a lot of minutes, too. DeAndre, and this is a very important time for DeAndre to get more minutes. He's played less than 100 games so far in his NBA career. So very important time for him as well as Mikhail Bridges too if Kelly Oubre doesn't play which seems 50 50 at this point because Oubre spoke to the media this time a few days ago he mentioned that it's up to the medical staff there so it's still up and up in flux there so Mikhail could have a really good opportunity there so it's a lot of young guys and a lot of opportunity but this Suns team Monty Williams mentioned before on Zoom calls that they, they have the playoff mentality they want to go for it and see what happens but if they don't they're going to try to play spoiler here and play not only their star players but also a lot of young guys too. They're in a different spot to... Well, actually, they're in a similar spot to some teams, but their approach is quite different. Um, you look at how Brooklyn and Washington are approaching it. They're, a lot of their stars aren't there. I worry about how those rotations are going to look. And then you look at the top end, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks. They're going to be resting guys liberally. I don't really think that's going to be the case for Phoenix. I think we're going to get, as you said, you have really strong Booker minutes, really strong Aiton minutes. Bridges playing a lot. A lot of Cam Johnson there as well. In fact, I'm pretty sure we'll see more Cam Johnson play than we will Dario Saric. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we're going to see a lot more small ball. Monty mentioned it to us as well. He wants to experiment with Dead Booker at point guard. So you could see a lot of minutes with a lot of the wings playing with Booker at point, as well as playing Dario at small ball five, Cam even playing some more four and some three. So I think a lot more minutes in kind for Cam Johnson, especially I think he's the biggest beneficiary, and especially if Kelly's out. I think Mikhail and Cam are the biggest beneficiaries as far as minutes go. And I think it's going to mix up to Monty Williams mentioned he's going to try some new lineups we haven't seen before. So it's going to be a little bit of experimentation time with Phoenix. Well, initially we had, I think it was Robert Sava that said that no, Ubre was he was going to be fine. And then it came out that no, he wasn't going to be participating. And now you're saying he's sort of 50-50. So what's with all the back and forth here about Ubre's status? So he did have that knee injury that was probably going to be a couple of months injury at some point, probably going to wipe him out for the regular season. But of course, we're four months removed from that. So where do we sit with where his injury was and which way do you think it's leaning? Yeah, it's been very confusing and interesting just a lot of back channels a lot of back and forth between Ubre, the medical staff like you mentioned robert sarver and james jones mentioned i think three weeks ago at this point that Ubre was probably slated to play in these games then sham sharani's report came out that Ubre is like to sit out but now after we spoke to kelly Ubre yesterday on zoom his quote right here he said i'm here to constantly get better with my guys each day the health status is up to the staff i feel fine right now so it seems like he is down to play but he also mentioned that mentally he wants to get in that space of playing again so it seems like it's more so on the medical staff here so your guess is as good as mine josh i think before we spoke to kelly this week it was more like an 85 to 15 percent chance he was going to play but now i'm closer to like 60 40 he ends up playing because he even spoke about what jersey name people on the back of his jersey what the what the minutes be like in orlando so 
he seems like he wants to play. And if the medical staff clears him, Monty Williams mentioned a couple more benchmarks for him in the past before they even get him into on-court work. It's very confusing this time as far as Ubre goes. I think it's going to come down to the wire a little bit with Kelly. So we'll probably know more probably in about a week or so if he's going to actually play in these games. But it's been very confusing to say the least. And this isn't the first time it's happened with Kelly Ubre too because there was an injury in the preseason of last year oh, where right. he hurt, hurt himself. And it seemed like it was a lot of back and forth between Kelly Ubre's team as well as the Phoenix Suns as to what the timetable was there. So been very confusing. And I think overall it's really almost 50-50 for me as far as he's going to play. So it's coming out of the wire there. That's really important for people who are playing fantasy in this restart situation because if Ubre's out, Mikael Bridges was already a top 100 player this season. And if he is, if Ubre's out, then Bridges is probably going to jump in the top 50 or top 60 players of guys who are going to be participating in Orlando. And it puts Johnson in the mix as well, a guy that's going to hit a ton of threes, going to do it you know, relatively efficiently, well, not relatively, yeah, really strong efficiency, 40% on three in his, uh, in his rookie season. If those minutes pump up, which I expect them to do if Ubre sits out, he's going to be an interesting one to look at. Now, now, the, the, the Phoenix Suns are an interesting team when we talk point guards. A few years ago, they had too many point guards. Isaiah Thomas, Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, too many point guards. What are you doing? And then they had no point guards. And it was like, who the hell is handling the ball? And now they've got Ricky Rubio in, who's been really successful. And about seven guys to back him up. And now there's talk of Devin Booker playing backup point guard. So there's Javon Carter, there's Ty Jerome, there's Ali Okoba, who appears as far on the way out as anybody could possibly be. And they just signed Cameron Payne. And there's Jalen LeCue. So... What I want to ask for you is, Rubio is going to start. I, I think that given he is not a part of this young core moving forward, that he might play you know, maybe one or two fewer minutes. It's important to have him out there, but he won't be as prioritized as much as Booker and Aiton and Bridges and Johnson. But who comes in behind him? Will it be Carter and Jerome? Why did they sign Payne when there's already a million other point guards on this team? Like, What's happening with that backup guard rotation? Yeah, at the moment, I would lean towards Booker playing a lot of backup point guard when Rubio sits. They're, like I mentioned before, I think they're going to try to at least win these eight games. So Monty mentioned that he wants to see more of Booker as the primary initiator, so we'll see a lot more of him when Rubio sits. Booker will stay on the court and play a lot of heavy minutes and try to at least be the primary facilitator there. And throughout the season here in Phoenix, it's been a really a carousel as far as backup point guard spark goes. Started with Elio Kobo. He did very bad for himself in that role. Went to Javon Carter. He was very shaky there. Ty Jerome, like he wasn't ready for NBA minutes. Went down to the G League for a little bit as well and tried to get more comfortable in the NBA speed. But now, like you mentioned, the same Cameron Payne, Monty Williams mentioned that he has a very good like 50-50 chance of winning these battles with Ty Jerome, Elio Kobo, Javon Carter for these minutes. So I expect none of those four guys to play in the first two games, but the Suns get out of it. I would lean towards Ty Jerome because he's he, they spent first round pick on him last year in that trade for Aaron Baines. They see him as at least at the moment as part of the young core. So I would lean towards Ty Jerome. Cameron Payne may be an outside chance there, but like you mentioned, Elia Kobo is probably on the way out after this year. He has a non guaranteed contract for 2020 2021. And Javon Carr is a agent too. Maybe he used for his defense a little bit in spot minutes there, but I would lean towards Ty Jerome if I had to pick one backup point guard play like 10 minutes per game. But at the moment for these first few games, I would lean a lot towards. Only two guys playing that point guard spot, Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker. So if Booker is playing those backup point guard minutes, who's the backup shooting guard on this team? Because I don't really think they have one. No, yeah, it's a really good question. And with the way that the team is structured right now, not a lot on the wing. If Kelly Oubre doesn't play, you're only down to two wings in this roster, Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. So I would lean towards Cam and Mikhail taking those minutes. But I think the best guy, at least off the ball, would be Javon Carter because we've seen him play minutes. Yeah alongside Devin Booker and that pesky, pesky role as far as being an on-ball defender regarding one. So I think Javon Carter might be the backup two in that situation, but they're trying to win these games 
I would lean towards Cam Johnson. He's going to be playing, I think, the two, three, and the four down Orlando, playing around 25, 30 minutes per game if all goes well. And especially if Kelly Oubre misses these games, he's going to be playing a lot more than everyone expects. So I would lean towards Cam Johnson in that role with Mikhail probably starting at the three. But I would also not love Javon Carter playing some spot minutes there as well because he's the one most comfortable alongside Booker in that off-ball role. We saw at times this season uh, Monty Williams decide that he was going to play Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton together. They only played 53 minutes together, but they still played 53 minutes. They started a couple of games together as well. Will we see any of that here, um, or is it just strictly going to be Baines getting the cleanup minutes behind Ayton? Yeah, it's going to be strictly Baines playing backup now. Monty mentioned before that he didn't outright say this, but he came out really pretty much saying in, in March after he experimented with that, that was kind of a mistake on his end. They got ran off the court in one of those games in a small ball lineup, and Baines and Aiden could not handle that situation. They, of course, had a really good game together against New York Knicks, I believe, during that time period. But the next few games were really an egg on the face of Monty Williams. He mentioned that that would be the end of that baines Aiden experiment. So I would lean towards Baines playing around 15 minutes per game back in his usual bench role, playing that stretch five role. But I also wouldn't rule out them going more and more small because Monty seems like he really wants to go in that route and maybe even less minutes for Aaron Baines down in Orlando because I think we're going to see Dario Sharks play a lot of backup 5 2. He seemed like he did really well in that role late in the season before the, the season went on pause there. So I would maybe lean towards Dario, maybe playing more minutes at the five than Aaron Baines in Orlando. Interesting. So where does that leave then the other big man? Frank Kaminsky, who was a regular part of the rotation before his knee injury. Is he ready to go? Will he play? Um, will it be uh, Cech Diallo who, who gets in there? Or will they just literally run Baines and uh, Aiden as the centers and then Sharic and, and Johnson? But then I guess you run into the problem. is If you're running Johnson a lot at the four or Bridges at the four, then who the hell is playing the two? Because as we mentioned, they're the only other two options to play there. So will we be getting any Frank Kaminsky minutes? I think we'll see some spot minutes for Kaminsky. I think it's been a lot lower minute usage than we saw throughout the season there because he started to get phased out once everyone got healthy there. Went down about 15, 16 minute per game roll. It might be even lower down Orlando when the, the Suns in win now mode because Kaminsky, when he had to play those those five minutes with Baines and Aiton both out, he went really bad for the Suns. And even when Baines, Aiton, and Charlotte were all out there together healthy, he was very much almost in an inactive role, playing around 10, 12 minutes per game there. So if it does come to spot minutes there, I lean towards Kaminsky, but we might, the Suns might be down to an eight-man rotation down in Orlando, at least for the first few games until they're officially knocked out. Why'd they sign Cameron Payne back to that? Like, if they, what, what, What's the idea behind? Like, Do they just have no faith in these guys? There are so many options there. Like, surely there were shooting guard, small forward type players available that they could have brought in. Like, What's the idea with Payne? Do they want to play him off ball? Like, I just don't understand it. Yeah, with Karen Payne, I think they they like what he saw in G League this year for the Dallas Legends. He did very well as a playmaker. Monty Williams also has the relationship with from Karen Payne in Oklahoma City when he was the assistant coach there behind Billy Donovan. They have a relationship still, and Monty Williams is the one who actually called Karen Payne asking if he was interested. So it's not like this was a move that Monty Williams wanted to make more so than James Jones. So I think that's why he's be getting more an opportunity than many expect because they want to see him. They signed him to a two-year deal. Of course, 2020-2021 is non-guaranteed. So I think campaign's got to show himself in practices and maybe in these minutes in Orlando, if he does get an opportunity in Orlando, to show he's a part of this core for next season. But I think it's interesting that Monty Williams, the one that came out and reached out to Karen Payne and the one kind of campaigning to James Jones for him to sign in Phoenix because of that relationship they have. So I don't think it's a good look for guys like Elliot Kobo, Javon Carter, especially Ty Jerome, that they went out and signed Karen Payne because it seems like Monty Williams isn't, isn't comfortable right now with those three guys at the backup point guard spot and maybe why they're going more towards that shortening that point guard role to maybe Devin Booker in Orlando. 
There's also Jalen LeCue, who they signed to a four-year deal, some of that non-guaranteed straight after the draft. He's 20 years of age, barely played at all this season, uh, only played the four games in about 25 minutes over the course of, of the season. But let's go more to the pointy end of the roster. What are we looking at from Devin Booker? We know, you know what he did this year, 26 points per game, almost seven assists, you know, true shooting of 62%. You took another step forward. What's his next evolution here in Orlando? Yeah, I think in Orlando, I would buy very high on Devin Booker from a fantasy perspective because I think he's going to be playing a lot of minutes. He played 36 minutes per game this season for the Suns, one of the leaders in minutes per game this year. But I think it might go up to 37-38 in Orlando, at least for the first few games until the Suns are officially knocked out there. And Booker's been always one to get this chance of sniffing at the playoffs. And even though it's less than 1% chance the Suns make it and go on this improbable 8-0 run, I think he's going to take full advantage of this. I think he's one of the more dangerous players down in Orlando from a fantasy perspective because he's going to be putting up a lot of points and a lot of shots there, and he's going to try to will this team to victory on those nights. So I think Booker is actually one of those players who could really benefit in this Orlando bubble. Kind of, He's mentioned before on the Zoom calls to us that he wants to make himself known more around the league as a one of the top players in the NBA. So I think he, it's on his mind and his mentality that he wants to maybe take that leap, so to say, in Orlando heading into 2020-21. So I would very much buy high on Booker from a fantasy perspective in Orlando. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a real chance he's a top 15 at worst player in this restart. And I think you'll probably have Aiton pushing towards uh, being a, a top 20 sort of a guy as well, in, in pretty comfortably. Both those guys should be in that top uh, top 15, top top 10, maybe top 10. Booker in, in that area definitely uh, would be something that I'd be looking at. So um, some, some real interesting stuff here for Phoenix in this restart. Again, looking at it from a different way than teams like Brooklyn and Washington are. And that Ubre one is going to change so much about this rotation if he is is in or is out evan's going to have it covered for us all over on locked on suns thank you evan for coming on locked on fantasy with me absolutely josh anytime and that'll do it for today's episode guys don't forget subscribe apple podcast google podcast stitcher spotify and on youtube follow me on twitter at redrock underscore beeble leave a five-star review that would be excellent drop a comment in the youtube video down below guys we are done here thank you so much for listening everyone see ya